Chapter Thirteen of Half Past Bedtime. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dasha Davis. Half Past Bedtime by Henry Bashford, the Moon Boy's friend. It was about a week after Marion and Gwendolen had arrived home from Porto Blanco that uncle joe suddenly asked cuthbert and doris to spend a fortnight with him at reddington on sea it was not the sort of town that uncle joe liked because it was full of big houses and glittering hotels and most of the people in it wore expensive clothes and it had a long pier with a theatre at the end but he always went there in the first week of august when mr parker took his annual holiday so that he could visit an old friend of his who had lodgings on the marine parade this old friend was called colonel stukeley and he had lost both his legs as the result of wounds and uncle joe generally took rooms next door and played chess with him every evening he had been very brave but was now rather wheezy besides having something wrong with his liver and as he had lost most of his friends he was always glad to see uncle joe generally uncle joe went to see him alone so that he could be with him most of the day but this year he thought that cuthbert needed a change and he asked doris because marian had just had a voyage at first they were afraid that they would have to take their best clothes but uncle joe said that he didn't mind so long as they brushed their teeth every day they could wear what they liked he said and they could paddle and swim as much as they pleased so they met uncle joe at the station at eleven o'clock on the third of august and a couple of hours later they were having lunch with him in the big dining car of the express through the windows as they rocked along trying their best not to spill their soup they could see the harvesters at work in the fields and ribbons of flowers as they crashed through the little stations and a couple of hours after that where some hills had broken apart doris was the first of them to see a stitch of blue and by half-past four they were talking to the landlady of number seventy marine prayed this was next door to where colonel stukeley lodged and the landlady's name was mrs bodkin and she gave doris a kiss and said that she was tall for her age and that cuthbert's cheeks would soon have some roses in them then she showed them their bedrooms which were at the top of the house looking out to sea over the esplanade and they found that they could talk to each other out of the windows and watch the people in the gardens below these were very trim gardens like the garden in bellington square separated by railings from the flagged esplanade and beyond the esplanade there were terraces of pebbles crumbling into a stretch of hard wet sand as it was tea-time there were not many people about but by six o'clock there were people everywhere people in the gardens listening to the band and looking sideways at each other's clothes people on the esplanade sauntering up and down and saying how do you do to their friends people on the pier staring through telescopes and people on the beach reading magazines people on the sands building castles or paddling with their children on the fringe of the sea the tide was so low that nobody was bathing and weed-capped rocks stood out of the water and after they had paddled a little doris suggested that they should go and listen to the pierrots this was the hour just before the children's bedtime and before the grown-up people went home to dinner when the pierrots and beach entertainers were all at their busiest trying to earn money 
Upon a wooden platform, with three chairs and a piano, two men and two girls were singing and dancing; and a hundred yards away from them, on a similar sort of stand, there were three banjo players with blackened faces. But there were such crowds round each of these platforms that Cuthbert and Doris couldn't get near them; and there was a conjuror a little farther on, who seemed to be even more popular. They watched him for a minute or two, and saw the people raining pennies on him; but they were too far away to be able to see his trick. And then they saw a clown, farther along still, turning somersaults on the sand. There were a few children round him, some of them with nurses; but the people on the esplanade were taking very little notice of him. And by the time that Cuthbert and Doris reached him, he had stopped somersaulting and was wiping his forehead. Standing near him, dressed like a gypsy, was a woman, who was evidently his wife, and sitting on the sand was a queer-looking boy about fourteen, who seemed to be their son. The clown was dressed in a baggy sort of smock tied round his ankles with pink ribbon, and his face was white, with a crimson diamond painted on the middle of his cheek. His lips had been colored to make them seem smiling, and he wore a wig of carroty hair, but his eyes were tired, and underneath his wig they could see some of his own hair, which was quite gray. Then his wife brought a little box round, but none of the children seemed to have any pennies, and the two or three grown-up people who had been watching the performance turned aside without giving anything. Cuthbert and Doris heard one of them say that it was a rotten show and not worth a farthing. And then the old clown began to sing a song about a cheese that climbed out of the window. Some of the nurses laughed a little, but the children didn't understand it. And Cuthbert and Doris thought it rather stupid. But the woman had noticed them and brought them the box, and they each put a penny in it, though they didn't much want to. Then the old clown and his wife pretended to have a quarrel, and she kept knocking him down with an umbrella. But what interested them most was the queer-looking boy, who kept laughing to himself and playing with his fingers. Once or twice he got up and went straying among the audience, and they could see his mother watching him rather anxiously. And presently he came and talked to them and told them that he was a moon boy and that his name was Albert Hezekiah. It was now nearly seven, and the tide was coming in. There was nobody left to watch the old clown, so his wife stopped hitting him with the umbrella and helped him on with a shabby blue overcoat. Then they emptied the pennies out of the box, and the old clown counted them in the palm of his hand. Ten and a half, he said. Not much of a catch, old lady. And then they looked round for Albert Hezekiah. He was still talking to Cuthbert and Doris, and the old clown and his wife came up to them. The woman spoke to Doris. Don't you be frightened, she said and the old clown tapped his forehead. He's a little bit touched, he said. That's all, my dear, but he's a good lad, and he's quite harmless. Then they said good night, and the moon boy shook hands with them and told them that he liked them, because they had nice faces. And two or three times during the next few days, they saw him playing about near his father and mother. Then one day they saw him alone, and he told them that his father was ill in bed, and that his mother had sent for the doctor, and that they had no money to pay the rent with. It seemed rather funny to think of a clown being ill, but Doris and Cuthbert each gave him sixpence, and he ran off singing, and they didn't see him again till the last day of their holiday. 
This was a bright hot day, and they had bathed in the morning, and then Mrs. Bodkin had cut them some sandwiches, and they had had their lunch on the top of Capstan Beacon, which was a high hill about five miles away. Then they had walked inland and had tea at a little village, and it was toward dusk, just as they were reaching the town, that they saw the moon boy in the middle of a group of boys on a piece of waste land near the gas works. He was waving his arms and looking rather bewildered, and the other boys were mocking him and singing a sort of song, Looney, Looney, Moon Boy, Looney, Looney, Loo. And when they came nearer, they saw that he was crying, and that one of the bigger boys was throwing stones at him. Doris was so angry that she could hardly speak, but she caught hold of the boy who was throwing the stones, and when he tried to hit her, she slapped his face and told him that he was the biggest coward that she had ever seen. Then he tried to hit her again, but Cuthbert jumped in front of her, and after a minute or two, Cuthbert knocked him down, and then the other boys ran away, after throwing stones at them and calling them names. Little beasts, said Doris, look what they've done, and Cuthbert saw that they had cut the moon boy's cheek. So Doris took out her handkerchief and stopped the bleeding, and then they both took the moon boy home. He was so excited at first that he lost the way, but at last he stopped in front of a little house and in a back room they found the old clown sitting up in bed and trying to shave himself his wife was at the fireplace frying some fish and when they heard what had happened to their son they shook hands with cuthbert and doris and thanked them over and over again luck's against us you see said the old clown we're getting past work and the people won't laugh at us and this here boy of ours is all that we have and there's nobody else to look after him excepting one said the moon boy and the old clown began to laugh that's one of his crazes he said he says that he has a friend who comes and talks to him once a week out of the sea said the boy he comes out of the sea i never see him except by the sea nor there either said his mother if the truth be known but when cuthbert and doris said good-bye the moon boy followed them into the street and began speaking to them in a whisper. I tell you what, he said, if you'll meet me tonight at ten o'clock, just by the lighthouse, I'll show him to you, if you'll promise not to laugh, because if you laugh, he won't come. For a moment they hesitated, because they were pretty sure that Uncle Joe wouldn't allow it. But then they decided they didn't need to ask him, as he would be sure to be playing chess with Colonel Stookley. So they promised to be there, though they thought it very unlikely that the moon boy would come. And just before ten, they were on the little path that led from the town toward the lighthouse. This was about a mile from the end of the esplanade, under a great cliff called Gannet Head, and at low tide it was possible to reach the lighthouse by climbing over some fifty yards of rocks. But the tide was high tonight, and the little path that slanted down across the face of the cliff came to an end upon a slab of rock not more than a foot above the water there was no moon but the stars were so bright that the air was full of a sort of sparkle and the sea was so still that the water beneath them hardly seemed to rise and fall clup clup it went with a lazy sort of sticky sound like a piece of gum paper flapping against a post and then slowly becoming unstuck again before doing it all once more at first they could see nobody but as they stood looking about them they heard a soft whistle a little farther on and there was the moon boy with his arms round his knees squatting on another ledge of rock 
this was broader and flatter than the one at the bottom of the path and a little higher above the water and cuthbert and doris were soon sitting beside him and wondering what was going to happen where's your friend asked cuthbert the moon boy touched his lips shh he said he'll be here in a minute he was here half an hour ago and i told him all about you but where's he gone said doris the moon boy shook his head i don't know he said he might be anywhere he spends his life pulling children out of the water but nobody ever sees him except me doris suddenly felt her heart beginning to beat quicker why i believe i know him she said is he a saint the moon boy nodded yes he's a patron saint he said he's the patron saint of water then i do know him said doris at least i've heard of him and i've met his brother saint uncas this one's saint william said the moon boy but he's generally known as fat bill and then they heard a pant and there sitting beside them was an enormous man with a red face like his brother he was nearly bald but he was about seven times as large and he had blue eyes and a double chin and there was a big landing net in his right hand good evening he said pleased to meet you i've heard about the girl of you from my brother uncas and the boy of you i saw last year pulling a little nipper out of a stream cuthbert blushed that was young liz he said beardy ned's kid but it was quite easy maybe it was said fat bill but as it happened you really helped to save two nippers you see there was a kid just at the same moment fell into a lagoon off hodonita what's hodonita asked cuthbert bit of an island he said a hundred miles south of the equator he cleared his throat well i couldn't save em both because i was pulling a boy out of lake windermere and i was just going for liz when i saw that you were after her so that i was able to land blossom blossom just in time was that her name asked doris fat bill nodded that's the english of it he said but her people are savages then he disappeared for a moment and there was nothing but the starlight and the clup clup of the water and it was while he was gone that there came into doris's mind a wild but just possible idea she turned to cuthbert i tell you what she said why shouldn't he take us to hodonita i expect he could somehow if he really wanted to and you did help to save blossom blossom cuthbert considered well of course he might he said and then fat bill was sitting beside them again just been to ohio he said to a place called columbus kid fell into a lake there nobody by he laid down his landing net and rubbed his hands it's a hard life he said being a saint but he looked so comfortable sitting on the rock with his fat thighs spread out beneath him that doris was almost sure that he wouldn't mind and so she asked him if he would take them he stroked his chin for a moment and looked at her thoughtfully well of course i could he said though it would be rather irregular but albert hezekiah here would have to look after my landing net because i've only got two hands so they all three of them looked at the moon boy and he promised to take care of the landing net and then fat bill held out his hands and cuthbert and doris each took one of them the moment they did so they were of course in in between land because that was where fat bill and his brother lived and the rocks looked ghostly just like dream rocks 
and they could see the moon boy's soul like a tiny flame but the next moment they were alone on a shore of the whitest sand they had ever seen and the dawn was coming up over an enormous sea stiller than stillness and breathlessly blue at their feet lay a shallow lagoon or at least it looked shallow trembling with colour and strange petalled weeds swung to and fro in it and the silver scaled fishes slid between them it was so hot they wanted to throw their clothes away and the jungle behind them was full of odours sleepy odours like the odours of a medicine chest and nodding red-lipped flowers leading from the shore between the walls of the jungle was a narrow path of grass and sand and standing in the middle of it still as an idol was a little dark brown naked girl fat bill had gone but they knew that it was blossom blossom and then she gave a yell and fled from sight and cuthbert and doris couldn't help laughing as they began to explore the rim of the lagoon but a minute or two later as they were kneeling on the shore and peering down into that wonderful water something happened that made them think of blossom blossom in a rather different sort of way for just as doris had made up her mind to take off her shoes and stockings they heard a little sound and the next moment a spear was quivering in the sand between them they sprang to their feet just in time to avoid another one and to see a man crouching at the edge of the jungle and then they were snatched up and then they were on the rock again with gannet head towering above them the moon boy was laughing but fat bill looked serious narrow squeak he said that was blossom blossom's father i thought he was asleep in his hut then he shook hands with him and said good-bye and they climbed up the path again and went home to bed and when uncle joe came up to look at them they confessed to him what they had been doing he was rather angry of course but he didn't laugh at them and as for fat bill he said that he had heard of him and as for the old clown he promised to see what he could do for him before they left the town next morning but don't you think it was rough said cuthbert after i had helped to save blossom blossom to have her father throwing spears at me but that was just the sort of thing said uncle joe that saviors had to be prepared for end of chapter thirteen the moon boy's friend recording by dasha davis st joseph missouri